everybody doing? Outstanding, outstanding. Um, so I've been in a, a lot of prayer about how to present or what God wanted to say, what I believe he wants to say tonight. And um, it may be a little bit unorthodox how I may have to present. I'm not sure. I don't know if he wants me to go old school, like line by line and precept by precept, right? Where we just read the Bible, get a revelation, talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Or if he wants me to go subject matter and, you know, dig into something very uh, particular. So I'm just going to see what he say. Now, um, upon occasion, I may say any questions or comments, please feel free. One of the things I've become very acquainted with is having to answer why I believe the way I believe um, throughout my life. Um, because I've had to express why I walk the way I walk, why I talk the way I talk, and why I believe what I believe. So, as a matter of fact, most of the time, questions help me to, to access God um, because this is how I've learned to deal with him. A lot of times when you're in church or when you're in life, I know growing up, I used to hear that slogan like, you shouldn't ask God any questions. And I think that's the opposite. I think you should ask him everything. You know, I was asked a very complicated question uh, earlier today. And uh, <laughs> I told the person, that's a good question. I was like, man, I never had that question before. But, you know, and it's probably something that most people be stumped by. But with God's grace and wisdom, we still handle it. Amen. Amen. So um, what I was thinking about, um, I was looking at uh, Matthew 21. Y'all can go there. Matthew 21. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right, Lord. Okay, go to verse 18. I was going to start at verse 1, but I feel like you're telling me to go to verse 18. Um, it says, Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he hungered, and seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he came to it and found, it, found nothing thereon. Okay? But the leaves only, and he saith unto it, Let there be no fruit from thee henceforth forever. And immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree immediately wither away? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do the, uh, do only do what is done to the fig tree, but ye shall say unto the mountain, Be thou taken up and cast into the sea, and it shall be done. And all these things and whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Now, most of the time when I've heard that passage of scripture um, expressed, or when I've heard it explained, it becomes about the miracle and our ability to do miracles. Now, what we recognize as miracles are things that are outside the normal processes that God has established. I would consider that everything that we see every day is a miracle. The way trees grow, if you knew how many cells were in your body, how your chromosomes work, how you are made up biologically, what it, what it takes to create a child without flaw, 
Every day that we live, God is showing us miracles all the time. The the trees, the the leaves, the air, the chemical compounds that our bodies process and we don't become sick, how our bodies overcome all types of obstacles each and every day. Even though we're destroying it, uh, doing things to it that's not healthy and our bodies are able to to still maintain because of the system that he's placed inside of us to heal ourselves. So when we call upon healing and people say there are no miracles, we see them all the time. When you make a cut and your body become whole again, that's a miracle. I can tell you that humans can't do what God has done. Humans can't do what God spoke into existence we couldn't create with a million years. So when we talk about miracles, miracles around us all the time. But when they walked up... To this fig tree, what was interesting was when Jesus approached the fig tree, what we get distracted with is the stuff we ain't supposed to get distracted with. Now, Jesus did them a favor and answered the question for them, right, and told them how much power we have. We get excited. I got power. I got power. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to do what Jesus told me to do. You know, I'm excited. I got Jesus on my mind. But you know what's interesting? They didn't ask why Jesus was upset. They didn't ask why he cursed the tree. And all throughout this entire passage of scripture, he's addressing why he was upset. See, the issue was, was it was supposed to bear fruit and it wasn't. And that's just like us. So that makes me think about Psalms 1. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of, nor sitteth in the, seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, right? So, oh, pray the Lord, that's great. But there's a lot indicated in that that we don't pay attention to. First of all, God was, uh, Jesus was upset because he had created a system for that tree to be successful, to produce the fruit that it was supposed to produce, but it wasn't producing fruit. So the problem is, is that when I have everything that I have need pertaining to life and godliness and I'm still not producing godly, godly life, there is a problem. So we come to church. I wanted to ask when I first got up here, what do you think my purpose is up here? What do you think pastor's purpose is? What do you think we're supposed to do when we stand up here? Teach the word, but we are here for the edifying of the body, Right. To equip the saints. My job is to give you information so that you're prepared to go out and do the work that God has called you to do. And the issue is we come to church and just become entertained and we don't do anything with our entertainment. As a matter of fact, you should be frustrated because you don't know what to do outside of this place. If you're not frustrated because you don't know what to do outside of this place, it's one of two things. I've become where I don't care. Oh, I'm not aware that I'm supposed to have more and my personal life ain't crowding me so much that I don't have answers from God to answer them. So I'm fine with how I am and where I am right now. It's when you get in those places that you don't know how you don't have answers for God from God to, or you can't fix it yourself is when you start researching why God ain't helping me. But as long as you think and I think I can put my hands on it and fix the problem, then we stop to asking him what his opinion is. Now, what's interesting about Jesus is he was only interested in doing what his father said. 
When he came, when, when, the, when, this first, when this chapter first starts, he says to his disciples, go get me a calf and a coat, right? And I'm going to sit on the coat because it's time for me to go into Jerusalem. Boom! Praise the Lord. He's going to be recognized by everybody. They're going to lay down the, the, the uh, what well, we always have, the palm, the olive palms are doing, you know, just for Jesus, uh, the Easter. And then people laid their coats down and people were shouting and were screaming his name and they all excited. But what? Jesus is not moved by that. He's close enough to his father to be convinced that what's most important is that I know who I am. So I'm not shook by what you offer me or what you don't offer me. Now, the question is, am I committed enough to God? Am I like a tree planted by the rivers of waters? Scripture says that I should be a a, a washed of the water by the word. So waters can represent and should represent the word, the word of God feeding me so that I can grow up and be a strong stock. Now, a tree, when its roots grow deep, it's hard to move a tree. The other day I was uh, coming, uh, dropping my son off from school. I heard this big old boom, boom, right? It was loud. Like, oh, oh, you know, you slow down, pump your brakes. I look to my left, and it's this, uh, this uh, moving tree, a moving truck. He hit a tree that was leaned out to the side, and I mean, it took the truck off his, off his, off his wheels. And I was thinking to myself, man, the tree wasn't moved at all. It wasn't shook, nothing. When my wife and I, we were in uh, Mississippi when Hurricane Katrina hit, and the city we actually lived in, the eye of the storm hit a city called Biloxi, but everybody hears about um, New Orleans because it was a bowl, and the bowl meaning that the actual city sits under the sea level. So when it filled in and broke the levees, it filled up the city and made it look worse. But the truth is the eye of the storm hit a city right next to us. We returned and we saw entire buildings gone, uh, gas stations gone, people dead. You know what I'm saying? Well, she didn't see that, but there was a lot going on. Here's the thing. You know what I saw still there? Trees. So if my roots are deep enough, I can weather the storm. If my roots are deep enough, not only will I weather the storm, I'll still be able to produce fruit after the storm is over, while everything else that man has created could not stand. So do I think, am I, do I believe him enough do I believe God enough to allow him to prove himself that I'll, 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 stay ne- I'll stay next to him and rooted in the word deep enough that I'll grow my stock strong so that I can produce fruit? Now, here's the other thing. The tree never decides what type of fruit it produces. It's just known by the fruit it bears. OK. And another thing, the tree never gets to decide. That's why Jesus was so mad. You don't really get to decide whether or not you're supposed to produce fruit. Now, if the fruit, now you, now let's go back, right? Psalms 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So here's the thing. He's telling you everything you shouldn't do, and then he tells you what you should do, okay? So if you don't, if you don't put yourself in the right environment, you'll draw waters from poisonous things, and your fruit becomes poison because of where you get your water from. And now you're poisoned yourself. And here's the thing. The tree only can do what it's created to do. So it's going to produce fruit, but it doesn't produce the right fruit. And so you're in your family trying to be a tree, but the type of fruit you produce is not healthy for your family to consume. So now I have to ask myself, where am I going to place myself so that I can get 
the type of water that I need so that I can produce the fruit that I'm supposed to produce? Am I going to have enough water so that I'm strong enough to produce the right amount of fruit that I'm supposed to produce? Most of us don't want to do what we have to do. See, because when a tree is small, it endures a lot. When it's big, it endures a lot. It endures all the changes that surround it, but the tree stays steadfast and unmovable. So can I choose to stay steadfast and unmovable when it's not easy? Am I ready to be the tree that God called me to be? Questions, comments? Come on now. How difficult is it to be that tree? How many of us would get distracted with somebody screaming our name? The way Jesus went when he went into the temple, when he went into the city. You have to be secure in who you are. You have to know what your father said about you. See, because before he went into the city, he said provisions will be made for me because this is my appointed time and season. What was interesting is he said, go get the coat. And then he said, if somebody tell you not to touch it, tell them the Lord said. So it didn't say anywhere that I can remember in scripture that, oh, you know, well, make sure you got these coats here for Jesus because he's going to send somebody to come back and get them. He knew it would be there because it was time for what he was supposed to do to happen. So in his mind, he's like, I don't have to check. I know my father has provided for me because he told me this is what I'm supposed to do. He was. Can you imagine coming into the earth? Knowing what you're supposed to do, knowing the, the horrendous thing you have to do in order for man to be free, knowing that you have to hold the weight of the world on who you are in order for men to be free, but dedicated to it to the point that you're willing to give up everything to make it happen. Now, Jesus is willing to die for me and he lived for me, too. He don't do anything. He, he don't ask us to do anything. He don't do himself. He said, let a man deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So now Jesus is saying, can you die to yourself enough that I can produce myself in you? He said, I look at my father and my father has an agenda and I'm willing to do that agenda even to my peril. Are you willing to do the same? Are you willing to give what you have to give who you are so that he can produce himself in you? You have to ask yourself those questions because at some point you're going to he's going to ask you those questions. Amen. When Jesus was walking around, what was interesting about Jesus's whole experience was that. He had to figure out how to get people to understand his father's agenda without upsetting the rule and the culture that was established. You ever notice that Jesus mostly got into it with the church folk? As much as we spend our time historically on corners telling everybody they're sinners, you know who Jesus was talking about sinners the most was the church folk. He didn't spend his time trying to teach non-believers how to be believers. He converted non-believers and then told them, 
uh, uh, he says, work out your soul salvation. That's not your spirit, just your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's why he says you have to be born again. You have to renew your mind. You have to do all these things so that you can produce him. But he wasn't talking to them. He was talking to us. The question is, are we ready to take the role that he called us to take? That's the bottom line. You have to start there. After you get saved and you get in church and you're excited and you love the Lord, you have to be dedicated to him enough that he can prove himself through you. That's it. That really is it. Now, once you dedicate it, because there are all kinds of challenges that come that way. Now, y'all going to have to help me. I'm going to try. I don't know if I can. Um. He says, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His goal is to produce heaven on earth. The reason why there was so much friction is because Jesus is operating in one system and he understands that he's coming in conflict with the systems that exist. And the people that he was talking to, he was threatening their positions. So what happens is on earth, because he, he, uh, uh, there's so much in there, what happens is on, is on earth is that the people who are sent here to do something turns it into being about them. And so now they create systems around them instead of the system he originally wanted us to establish. And so what happens is he's trying to come to earth and he's trying to explain to us how to establish his system. And he kept getting frustrated because he like, all this time I'm with y'all and y'all still don't get it. I want to establish my system. We talk all the time in church. We say, uh, you know, God's going to bless me. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have that. I'm going to have power. Here's the thing. He wants you to implement his system so you don't have to use his miracles as much. If you watch the children of Israel, God did everything for them until he could renew their minds. After the first generation died in the wilderness, he started changing the, ch- the, the children of Israel to start fighting for themselves. Now, the only thing you have to worry about is when he starts teaching you how to fight for him for yourself, that you remember what he did for you and your, the generations before you to put you in a position where you could fight for yourself. So when we think about community, when we think about family, when we think about all these things that's going on, the question is, Am I ready to do it his way, to come against systems that exist? Can I navigate the system that pre-exists me without getting myself hurt while establishing his ways? He's king. When a king says something, that's a law. So the idea that a king is in, that's why, that's why when Jesus walked around and when he was before Pontius Pilate, he had to be careful about what he said. Because if he said he was king over everything, then they would have rights to attack him. So you got to understand. The children of Israel had decided that Jesus was king over them. But the Romans didn't. So he didn't have a right to declare himself king to the Romans because the Romans hadn't chosen him to be king. 
But when you're a king and you have brilliant ideas and you can change people's lives, that means you come in conflict with how good this king may be. So what's happening is what I'm telling you is the world's offering us multiple systems and God has his system. And it's our job once we start studying the word of God to learn his system and want so badly to implement his system that with all we will we will ignore everything that's going on in order to establish his system. So I believe his system so much that I'm going to raise my children after the Lord. I believe his system so much that I'm going to stay faithful to God, not sleep around until I get married. I believe his system so much that once I get married, I'm unwilling to compromise how my family in the direction, what direction my family will go, because I believe his word just that much. I believe his system so much that I'm willing to let everybody walk away from me and I'll stand by myself if that is necessary so that he can prove himself to the world that's dying and reaching for a savior. Every day we say how powerful he is, but we don't walk out so they can see how powerful he is. They need to see it and not just because we demonstrate power and we lay hands on people, but the actual lives that we have produce life. It produces his ways. His ways creates culture. You know, when a king establishes a law, that law becomes a way of life for those people and that way of life becomes a culture. So now we're supposed to produce culture according to the word of God so the world can see that our king has the plan that can change their destiny. But see, we get stopped because the world's counterproductive plans we trust more than his. Or we don't even study his plans well enough to know what his plans say compared to what their plans say. Our goal may be to, I want to get into real estate. I want to get into corporate America. That's somebody else's system. Charles, are you saying we can't work? Absolutely not. You got to work. What I'm saying is you got to learn his system so that when you go into their system, you can get what you need to establish his system. But you are never to become a part of their system. Jesus never said, you know what, let me come among the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Let me sit with y'all, become comfortable, lay up with y'all, be cool with y'all, be accepted by y'all, want to be friends with y'all, want to hang out with y'all. No, because you're not interested in changing toward my father's system. And all I'm interested in doing is establishing his system. I'm not interested in us just becoming cool. Do I love God enough? Do I know him well enough? Not just to know a system, but to be okay with not being cool with y'all because I love his system. I know his system is best for me. When my friends laugh at me, even as adults, I follow a different system. One time, um, when I was in the, oh, tons of places. One time I was in the military and, uh, they took me to the strip club. <coughs> Wait a minute. Hold up. I said they took me to the strip club. I didn't say I went in the strip club. We sat outside in the parking lot, and they was like, no, Sarge, we're going to take you to the strip club. I said, player. I said, take me. I said, we supposed to go to the movies. <laughs> I said, you take me to the movies or I'll walk back to the base. 
but I can't stay here. Jesus in the garden had to conquer his flesh. When they offer, when the enemy offered him that bread. So when I got in that parking lot, if my flesh wasn't conquered, there's a very natural part of me saying, man, I can go in here and have a good, good old time. Have some fun. But I had to be so dedicated to his ways that I was willing to look the dudes that I was sitting in the car with in the face and say, no, dog. And not just no, dog. With an indignant righteousness, I feel very comfortable with the fact that I'm not going in there. As a matter of fact, I believe myself to be pretty smart not going in there. You know why? Because the beautiful bride that I'm supposed to be marrying soon ain't having that. And I might invite something into my life that I don't know how to get rid of. I'm more interested. I trusted his ways to produce a life for me even when I didn't know it was going to produce the life that it produced. When I was young, friends smoked weed around me all the time. It was funny. I used to mock them. They thought it was hilarious. You crazy, Chuck. Ah, they thought it was hilarious. No, you know, like, I, I, when I smoke, you feel me, like, a test I take, normally it take me 45 minutes. I do it in 15 and get a better grade. You know what I'm saying? Because it opened like your mind, for real. I'm like, that's true, but when you smoke, you don't even show up to class to take the test. <laughs> ah, you crazy, Chuck. <laughs> My friends used to show up before school. They were dedicated. Like, what's up, y'all? What's up, Joe? We finna go smoke. Y'all come to class? Oh, no. <laughs> For real. So, you trying to convince me to live your life throwing up. One time my pastor in the south said, you breathing in fire. That's the same thing you trying to get away from. Smoke inhalation kills you in a fire. Most of the time you don't burn up, burn to death. Most of the time you die from smoke inhalation. So you're going to breathe in fire. You're going to breathe in smoke for fun. You're going to go to the club so she can shake something in front of you that you can't have. And then once you have it, she gave you something you can't get rid of. And then, see, it can be so bad, it can be bad for you, but you keep going to get it. You can be, spirits are so strong, it could be pulling you when you don't even like it. You ever been with something you don't even like? You ever do something you don't even like? And these are the world systems. I'm dying to get. I want to have what this person have and what that person have. And I want to be, I want to be this person. And I want to have their kind of wealth. And I want to have their kind of position. He worked 90 hours a week. He ain't never home. All he eat is Cheetos and lay on the couch. Sometimes he don't even go home. He just work from work. Oh, hey, baby, I'm, you know, I'm putting it in right now. <laughs> work from work. <laughs> then somebody else, he paying all the bills. Somebody else at his house spending time with his wife. Because he drive a nice car, I want what he got. 
but I don't know what he what he paying to get it. I don't know what he giving up to have it. All I see is what they offer me, just like the enemy. When he came to Jesus and he said, I give you all the kingdoms of the world. He didn't show him what you're going to have to give up and what I'm going to take from you for you to have it. Do I want you, God? Do I love you beyond service? When that tree goes deep by that water, am I sitting time, sitting in your face saying, I love you if nobody else will come to service? I have a service in my, I got a sanctuary in my house. I ain't got to create one. I just come, I kneel on my knees. I call on your name and you show up. You know why? Because you hear somebody of pure heart calling on you. And he said, that's my child calling me. God is up in heaven saying, that's my child calling me. It's just like when that woman with the issue of blood touched him, everybody was around him. But for some, he said, somebody touched me. And she drew power from me. Her faith required that automatic reaction from me because she believed and knew when she saw me. Now, that's somebody who had never met him before, just heard about him. Now, what could happen if I really spent the time that I needed to spend to get the results that he want me to have? What type of authority would I walk in? What type of place would I be in? If I trusted him enough to sit at his feet and to learn of his word. To be like that tree that never moves, that only stays in his presence. Seeking him when it's not easy. And seeking him when it is easy. Seeking him in hard times and in good times. Just like when he tells us in our marriage vows. Are you committed to me the way you say you committed to that person? You want to know if you can be married? Commit yourself to God. Because you you, the requirement is that you produce for them what you would produce for him. Can you serve them the way you served him? Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Jesus cleans the temple. He destroys. He he's frustrated because you're using stuff improperly. Not you, but people. We use stuff improperly. We're supposed to establish His ways. We're supposed to do His word. And instead, we are taking the very thing He established for us to be connected with Him and using it for personal gain. That's a warning to me as a minister. I was talking to a young lady at my job today, and I was telling her about our faith. Now, this young lady uh, is queer. And so we have a lot of conversations. And it's very, you know, once again, I'm going to give you an example. I have to understand how to conduct myself. I have to understand what I say and how I say in today's world. Because, you know, traditionally you get told, just tell them they're a sinner. And then you get fired. And then Anissa like, how are we going to eat? You know what I'm saying? Huh? Just like Jesus. I have to figure out, and, it, and I have, and I also have his heart, or trying to get his heart. So it ain't just me just saying, okay, just being smart and trying to outwit them. Because he outwitted them and had wisdom, but he also had a heart that was ready to accept them if they were willing to change. And love them in their position and in their place. 
So um, we're having a conversation, and I had to explain. Oh Lord, help me! I had to explain how 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 our faith feels and thinks about things to a person who don't believe. We got to learn how to do that. You got to learn how to know the word well enough that you can teach your friend that don't know nothing about it. You got to walk the word well enough that when they don't want to hear it, they'll see you do it. And so when they can't, when they won't listen to you, they can't help but see you. That's not something we can fake. See, I think I'm more of a pastor, right? My wife is more of a prophet, so she can walk up to you, tell you about your life, and walk off. I don't do that. I walk with people through stuff. And while I'm walking with them, they're watching me. Hmm? You walk with some people. A select few. Kind of like Elijah and Elijah. You know, you do what I say in the end. <laughs> no, she's learned. I learn a lot from her and she learns a lot from me. But I have to be willing to walk the word out so that people will see him in my actions. We have and she has to be willing. She has to be willing to, ex- to share life with people that I bring into our life. I tell her about a young person or this person. They end up coming to our house most of the time. Maybe they stay. Maybe they don't. Maybe they with us for a little while, you know, getting information and learning. Maybe I'm just here to plant a seed. It ain't always going to be like Jesus, like you, oh, I'm, I'm ready, Lord. You know, they're going to fall in front of you. You're going to lay hands on them. They're going to fall. It ain't going to always be like that. Sometimes the way you walk is the only thing that's going to convince them. So once again, am I that tree? When they pluck my fruit, is it ripe? Is it ready? Because what we'll do is declare that we're ready. But when they grab us, we're bitter. When they grab us, we're poison. Because at the same time, I'm telling you what I'm supposed to do. I'm feeding myself a whole bunch of garbage. I am not what I say I am. And he needs me to be because I represent him. Anytime an ambassador goes rogue and stop representing what the country that sent them said you're supposed to represent, they get fired real quick. Because you have the ability to make an agreement on the behalf of the nation you represent that they have to keep. Y'all say, Charles, where you get all that? When Jacob's sons told the nations around them that they would marry their daughters when God told them not to. Because he was, if I'm not mistaken, they were tricking those nations to be circumcised so it would be easy for them to kill for them raping their sister. God told them not to do that, but they had to keep their word. Because when you say something in my name, whatever a king says something, it becomes law. So when you say, if I've given you the authority to speak on my behalf as king, you've made a law that I have to uphold because you said something. 
So we're asking for his power and we're saying we represent him and then we don't back it up. That's a problem. Look, God has called us to do great and mighty works. And you're going to do those things if you submit to him. It's not. Most people think, oh, you sit up here, you stand up here, or are you this great man or woman of God? That, what's important is, are you submitted? Do you have a pure heart? Because if it wasn't that much about Jesus, it showed not, not that much about me. And if I can accept that my whole purpose is just to serve him, that's when he could best use me. The people who make it about them, those are the ones he's least likely to use. If you ever look just throughout scripture, most of the time he chose people that had some type of deficiency. You know why? Because he needed you to know it ain't your strength. Just go down, read through the verses, read through the script. So if you got some kind of deficiency, if you got some type of ailment, if you got some type of struggle, that's good. That means you have to depend on him to produce what he's saying you need to do. And you're most likely and most capable if you just submit. He ain't worried about how smart you are. He ain't worried about how good you look. He ain't worried about how strong you are. He's worried about how submitted you are. Samson was a strong dude, but he was never submitted. So he never really served his purpose. He, he was manipulated into serving his purpose out of his own emotions. But what he could have been compared to what he was is totally two totally different things. And he probably ended his life early because of his lack of submission. It was so interesting. I find those things so interesting. I do. What took that dude down was his own arrogance and a woman. This dude killed 3,000 people at one time. He, he, he whooped 1,000 dudes. Now, if you have been in a street fight, okay, all right, you boxing, okay, first of all, if you got 1,000 people in front of you, you need to back up against the wall because somebody's going to get behind you and that's going to be it. This dude took a jawbone of a donkey and whooped a thousand people. First of all, you ever been in a tussle with somebody? You know, you rest about five, ten minutes, you probably going to fall out somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Depending on their size, you know, unless you can just, pow, pow, you know what I'm saying? Like right now, I ain't in good shape. I got about two, three, maybe maybe one and a half good minutes, and then I'm going to pass out. You know what I'm saying? This dude whooped a thousand people, and what whooped him was himself. Are we in our own way so that God can produce himself in us? First thing Jesus said, let a man deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Die to yourself daily. Can you do it? Not can you do it. Will you do it? Will you do it? Lord, is there anything else? No? No? I think that's it. Listen. In order for God to produce his kingdom, you have to be mission-oriented. In order for you to be mission-oriented, to know what you're supposed to do, to know how you're supposed to act, 
to navigate each and every situation, you're going to need his word and you're going to need his presence. And you're going to have to be very intentional about going to seek his word and his presence. You ain't going to get that just from coming to church. You ain't going to get that from talking to your friend. You ain't going to get that from shouting. It's going to require a specific discipline where you submit it to him when it's not easy, when it's not fun, when it's not convenient, when you have to tell yourself, I'm going to sit in front of this Bible and just let it minister to me until I get it. God, I'm, I'm focused on you enough. When I'm bored, I'll still sit in your presence until you show up and tell me what you want me to do and tell me what this word is saying because I believe you just that much. And if you're willing and dedicated that just that much to him, he'll show up in your life. He'll show up in your actions. He'll show up in your word. He'll show up in your mind. And he'll be able to produce himself in ways that you never thought he would. And you'll get results in ways that you never thought you would. The things that you were trying to command into your children's life and be into your family life and your husband's life and your, your aunts and uncles, you'll be able to do. And at your job, he will find ways not just to bless you, but to bless them. And because he's able to get to them, he can elevate you. But you can't be on your own agenda. You got to be on his agenda. That makes sense? Y'all pray for me. It was a struggle tonight, but I'm just trusting the Lord with it. All right? Amen.